What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Hi, everyone, once again, and welcome back to the HR Impact Show. My name is CT from Engage Rocket. I'm going to be your host for today. And in our studio today, we have our guest, Sarah Warren. Sarah is the Vice President of Human Resources at Norwex USA, whose mission it is to promote a cleaner, safer way of living by reducing harmful chemicals in everyday lives. Now, today, we're going to be talking about the art and science of asking questions. What is it that leaders and HR leaders need to know? Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. And tell us a little bit more about what Norwex does and what, what it is that you do at Norwex. Norwex is a fantastic company where we truly believe in cleaner, safer, better, and create products that allow you to clean your home in a much more natural way, which is so much easier and a whole lot better for your family. So being the VP of HR gives me the opportunity to not only work for an incredible company with a great mission, but also to be here to support all of our employees to make sure that they can understand and live that mission, but also do so while they're growing their careers and really work with them to grow the talent and development between the teams. It's great having kind of that bigger purpose. We grow the individuals, we grow the teams, we come up with great ideas and contribute to a cleaner, safer, better world. What I love about Norwex is that brand statement is so clean. It's jargon-free, no BS, and it tells me something about the culture at Norwex and what it values. When you think about your role so far, you've been in this company for a while, what is the achievement that you, you think you're most proud of? I have been here for a while, and it's really great to be able to watch people grow. There's individuals that have been with our company. I can think of one person offhand that's been promoted, I think, five or six times in a high-level role now. When that individual started, they were in an early career role, and they were able to grow and develop and adapt as the company grew. And that's been the great thing about being with Norwex is that the company has grown. We've put a lot of time and investment into our people to make sure that the people grow with the company. So it's really been a great fun to watch and really special something to be a part of while we're still contributing to this bigger mission. And I, I think that's also something to the heart of who we are is we do what we say we're going to do. We believe in what we believe. It's not something that we just put on a website. It's something that we do in our everyday lives and something we do every day at the company. And pulling all of that together into a great organization with incredible people has really been a dream. So really, it sounds like you're very much fueled by nurturing and, and helping others grow into their careers and, and even that seeing them grow through their personal lives from their work. That's, I think that will resonate a lot with many in the HR space. We, we enter HR mainly because we like people and, and that I think speaks a lot to your values and, and your interests. 
with that, what do you say is your moonshot goal for next year? We've got so many great programs that we're working on for next year. We are really took a look. In 23, we did a great assessment evaluation of our HR department and all of the paper. And that's not really who we are as a company. So we've gone digital. I am staring at empty filing cabinets in an office. It's crazy. So we've gone completely digital and we'll continue that into next year. We've got some really exciting things on the forefront uh, as far as major development, some training initiatives that we're putting into place. There'll be a new coaching program that we'll be rolling out next year with the help of some software. So we're really excited for 24. We'll be bringing a lot of great things. That sounds awesome. Now, what is the leadership or HR myth that you wish would just go away? It's always fun when you walk around the office on a Friday afternoon and everyone turns the corner and where are you going? Where are you going? Is there a box in her hand? No, not me. Or when they come and they share that problem or concern with you and they're like, I didn't want to come and talk to HR, but at this point I feel like I have to. No, we are here. We are here to make sure that you have what you need, have the resources that you need and to help you problem solve. There are a lot of individuals that come to me with issues and challenges and their work life. And I help them problem solve. I help coach them through it and give them the skills that they need to maybe see a little bit of a different perspective and tackle the problem on their own. It's not necessarily always you come to HR and someone's going to get in trouble or someone's going to be let go. That's not how we operate. So when you have those challenges, HR is there to lean on and to support you through them. And maybe sometimes they can help you see a little bit of a clearer picture too. I think that's a great point. So often, it's so easy to make HR like the boogeyman. Yes, we're not the boogeyman. We don't walk around on Friday with a empty cardboard box or now a virtual box looking to see who we're going to let go today. It's not really how that works. I think one of the toughest jobs about HR is that you're all, almost always the face of bad news. That's true. But we have to balance that and make sure that we're also the face of good news. Yeah. making sure that we're working with the managers. And that's where a lot of times when there's good news, HR will take a step back. But that's really sometimes where you have to take a step forward and work with the manager. Let the manager celebrate. Let the manager wear the, the golden medal and enjoy those achievements and stand next to them and smile. And we're there with them and celebrating. I think that brings us very nicely to our the topic for today. And I, I love how you put managers and leaders forward to to soak up that credit when credit is due. But at the same time, when hard things happen, you're very willing to step forward. But when you're helping leaders take that forefront and be that face and that conduit between employees and the organization, as they rightly should, one of the things that we've spoken about is that it's really important for leaders to understand how to ask questions because there's both an art to this and a science to this. So why would you say that questions are so important in leadership? You don't know what you don't know. So it's okay to ask and ask the question in the right way. So as an example, if I say, hey, do you know how to tie your shoes? That employee is going to look at you and be like, are you kidding me? Do you think I'm two years old? Of course, I know how to tie my shoes. But those that know a lot about hiking, know that there's different ways to tie shoes. There's actually a way that you can tie shoes that provides you with better ankle support. So maybe you ask the question that way, hey, do you know how to tie shoes to improve ankle support? They might look at you and go, yeah, actually I do. And then they're proud of that knowledge. 
and they're excited and they want to share that with you. Or they might look at you and go, there's a way to tie shoes for ankle support. What? And then it gives you that opportunity to understand where they are. So you ask the question at that midline level to best determine where their knowledge is, as opposed to, I'm going to assume that you don't know, and I'm going to tell you everything. And then they're going to feel like, wow, she must think I'm really stupid. Like she had to tell me the whole point. Or you go so high level that they just go, yeah, sure. And then they Google it because they don't want to sound stupid for not knowing. So if you find those right questions where you can hit the knowledge in the middle, They'll be able to operate that in a better way and be able to work with them in order to find that mainline knowledge. And then from there, you can help them grow. So you don't assume that they know everything, but you can't assume that they know nothing either. You want to be really concise. You want to be specific to that topic and then really listen and categorize that knowledge level. So when they say, yes, I do know how to tie shoes to great ankle support, you can go, awesome. Can you go please go and help the team? Because we need to make sure that these are all tied correctly. Or cool, do you know other ways of tying shoes also? And maybe they say yes, and then they can teach you a thing or two. So you never want to assume that they know, can't assume that they don't know either. So Sarah, where do you find that leaders struggle the most with this? I really find leaders struggling when it's in that crisis mode, right? So you get into that crisis mode, you get into that crisis panic and they freak out. Oh my gosh, what's going on? Who's doing what? And they start calling people and they go to this and the employee goes, okay. And then they go and then they come back and they go, all right, I did what you said, boss. How come this isn't done? How come this isn't done? You told them what to do. You didn't give them the opportunity to think it through. So they don't know why they're doing it. So if Task A ties to task B and it throws something off somewhere else in the business. But instead you call them and you go, hey, we have this problem. I need some help right now. I really thought you would be the great person to lean on. Are you able to help me? Most people naturally want to help. That question allows a dialogue. It gives the employee the opportunity to say, yes, and what about this? And what about that? And add to it. And sometimes as a leader, you go, oh, good point. I didn't think about that. Because as a leader, you're up high. You're in the clouds, you're in that 6,000 foot view. You haven't been in the weeds maybe in a long time. So you don't necessarily realize that A impacts B or, hey, we need to get Joey involved in this because I think this is going to impact what he does too. If you just go to them with a direct task, do this, they'll do it. Sometimes they feel a little lesser than, they don't feel like they're solving the problem. The next time it comes up, they don't know what to do. So when you ask them those questions, start with that dialogue. It gives them the opportunity to ask questions back and be part of the team. Then they can learn and grow together. Yeah, this is really interesting because it sounds almost like art of asking questions in these cases is really about figuring out how to lead collaboratively. And that can be a struggle for leaders because I can imagine, I know personally of some old school leaders who believe that they should actually have all the answers and they're not leaders unless they are the ones who know what to do in all cases. Do you, do you fight against that in any way? I do fight against that a little bit because as a leader, it's your job to lead. And if the team just does what they're told, they're not learning, they're not growing, and then they're going to move on. And as the organization grows and things change, they're just going to keep doing the same way they've been doing stuff. They're not going to be innovative. They're not going to come to you and go, hey, boss, I've got a great idea. What if we did this differently? You know what? That is a great idea. Let's try that. 
you have to be collaborative with them so they can grow and they can shine. And once they get into it a little bit, maybe it's a new task, a new area, something they haven't done before. If they have questions, they'll come to you with them. If you create this, you have to do this and you have to do that, they're not going to come to you with questions. If you ask them basic questions like, hey, do you know how to tie your shoes? They're going to think, oh my gosh, they think I'm so silly. I can't ask them questions because then they're going to think that I'm dumb. And that's not the objective. The objective is to pull them along with you because the employee should know more. You always hire people that are better than yourselves. You always look at those areas that are not your strengths and you hire someone else that has those strengths. So you can lean on them and say, how do we do this? In HR, you see this a lot with payroll, right? You hire that really good payroll tax person. Now, sometimes payroll's in accounting and I get that too, but we all work with payroll. So you hire that really good payroll tax person because oftentimes as HR leaders, we don't know all the payroll tax things, but we know enough to ask the right questions and help that person grow. It's the same thing, whether it's in payroll tax or digital marketing or IT. It's the same concept across the board. Wow, it's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community. Get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And now back to the show. That makes a lot of sense. It reminds me of one of my favorite Steve Jobs quotes where he talks about hiring great people not to tell them what to do, but so that they can tell him what to do. You only can unlock that if you're asking questions in an intelligent way, in a way that doesn't demean the intelligence of the people under you. And there's also a, a very sneaky, passive aggressive way of asking questions, which I think you alluded to earlier, which again, is something that leaders need to step away from. It's such a seemingly small topic, but it has implications across the whole breadth of a person's leadership. So how do you even go about training someone like this? Or are some, are people who ask good questions anyway, just born that way and they just, that's part of their DNA. And because I can't even imagine how you would go about training and coaching people around asking good questions. It can be trained and coached. Yes, they're going to have some people that's just their DNA and that's how they operate. And of course, they're going to have a little bit of a leg up. But you absolutely can train and coach it. One, talk to your team. My team knows I ask a lot of questions. And sometimes I'll say, I'm asking because I don't know the answer. This isn't a quiz show. I'm asking because I don't know the answer. Because sometimes they'll think, oh my gosh, I'm being quizzed. I'm being challenged. No, I'm asking because I need to know. But you want to ask the right question. You want to be concise with it. Something that's not foundational knowledge, but to the level of that individual. So Ask them something that's a little bit higher level than maybe the knowledge that you think they have and see if they know it. That doesn't mean throw out an acronym or big fancy buzzwords. Just instead of starting at square one, start at square five. If they're a higher level person, start at square 10. Start with strategy. And if they look at you and they're completely confused, take some steps down. If they roll with you, take some steps up. It helps you identify where they are with that topic. We're people. We don't know everything. We don't know everything. It's okay to say, I'm asking because I don't know the answer. That's just part of it. They'll get used to that style after a while. In the beginning, sometimes they feel a little interrogated, 
But that's where you just tell them, I'm asking because I don't know. And they're like, wow, if you don't know, how do you expect me to know? I don't know. Let's Google it together. We'll figure it out. And that really helps break that down and break that perception down. And then you'll find yourself building trust within your teams. And sometimes when you ask a question, well, what happened when we did this? Didn't this come up a few weeks ago? What did we do then? I don't remember. Oh, you're right. But in that case, these other things happen too. Okay, let's guard against that. And he can also help them understand. Remember that process we used before? We're going to use the same process here. If you say it that way, they're going to get mad. So what you say is, didn't we do this before? How did we do that? I don't remember. Here's what we did. Cool. Let's try that. I love that. I'm going to use that right away, actually. I'm asking because I don't know the answer. Because sometimes as a leader, when you're asking a question, people feel that you're put on the spot. And it, it can be quite threatening, especially if it's an open meeting and you're asking a question to someone or even the most junior person in the room, they might feel very, as you said, like on a quiz show. And I guess I love that. Like I'm asking because I don't know the answer immediately removes that and puts everybody on the same playing field. And at the same time shows that level of vulnerability from the leader that, that creates psychological safety across the rest of the team, because they then feel like they too can ask a question if they don't know the answer. I love that. That's so great. How do you go about keeping that frame of mind as you go through your day-to-day? Because I'm sensing that it, as a leader, what this means is probably some baseline layer of curiosity, baseline layer of self-awareness, and a baseline layer of, okay, we're all in this together, we're a team, we're collaborative, but I've been in situations as a leader where things are hitting the fan and you don't have those layers and you're in crisis mode, you're trying to fix things. How have you seen yourself work with leaders and help them pull themselves out of that kind of mindset and and maintain that baseline level of curiosity? Yeah, a lot of times when you're stuck in crisis mode, you go into fight or flight, right? And you start barking orders. Take a step back and walk into that crisis mode with a few questions. What happened? How did we get here? And I don't mean who did what and who messed up. I just mean what happened? We come across this before. What did we do last time? What are some things that we can try? If the team is just looking at you with blank stares and they're like, I don't know, I don't have any ideas, then you can throw out different questions. What if we did this? That might work. And then sometimes someone else in the team will go, but hold on, that might mess up this other thing over here. Okay, how is it going to impact that? All right, how do we guard against that? And it really drives that dialogue. And then through that dialogue, the answer will pop up. And sometimes as a leader, you got to get on to the next thing. So you'll go, okay, so what I'm hearing is if we do this and this, then we should really guard against that and get this taken care of really quickly. Awesome. And so can you go handle that? Or can the two of you go work together and go handle that? Whomever's most appropriate. Sometimes especially when you're in a group full of people and you say, I'm asking because I don't know, someone else might pop up and go, I know. And you're thinking, really? How does she know that? Cool. Okay. Yeah. Let's hear it. Right? Of course, you don't say those thoughts outwardly, but it also shows you that those other team members are growing and learning too. Maybe it was something they dealt with in their last job. You wouldn't have known. You weren't there. So really going into that crisis management mode with a clear head a couple of written down questions so you go in and know where your starting base is. And that also takes away that fear of failure. 
when you take away that fear of failure, people are willing to do more things. If they think they're walking into a who screwed up and who's getting in trouble today scenario, lips will be sealed. But if you walk into it and go, so what happened? You're not asking who did it. You just want to know what happened. Someone's going to pipe up and tell you what happened. And if you have disciplinary actions that need to follow, you could have those conversations at a later time. This is just the way to go in. What's going on? What happened? Where are we? How do we fix it? And then assign ownership to someone to complete that task. Or sometimes you might have to take it up to your leadership, however that works best in your organization. Everybody on to a common understanding of what happened without assigning blame. I think that anyway, in itself is critical for problem solving. So you need to do that anyway. So as a leader, that's one of the things that I'm just reflecting on myself. Like, how have I approached crises in the past? And how can I then move forward and use this knowledge better in future crises, which hopefully don't show up, but they, <laughs> yeah, they always do. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting coached from this conversation. I, I, I love it, Sarah. <laughs> so we're, we're coming up to time. If this is such a broad topic, but also such a narrow one, how would you break everything down that we've spoken about and help leaders who are listening wrap their heads around how do they even get started with this and how do they keep themselves going along this journey of using questions as a critical lever for their leadership? Absolutely. First things first, plan ahead. Write down a couple of questions that you know make sense in your organization. Maybe it's problems that come up all the time. Maybe it's just those basic crisis management problems of what do we know? What happened? Has this happened before? What did we do about it last time? You have them written down so they're somewhere in front of you, whether they're on a post-it note on your desk or a digital post-it note on your desktop. When you go into those situations, you can reflect on those questions and you can use them. It also keeps them there in front of you. So when that employee walks in and says, what do I do? You've got some questions. You can go back to them. You want to be clear and concise. You want to be specific to the topic because questions can get really broad. There's a difference when I say, tell me about you versus tell me about your work life. Those are two very different questions with a simple change of words. So if you're new to this, think through what those questions would be that apply in a lot of situations. Put them on a note somewhere where you see them all the time and start integrating those in your brain. When things start happening, refer back to that before you have that conversation and then challenge yourself. The next time that employee comes to you, instead of responding with a solution, respond with a question. And that question could be, tell me more about it. How else can I help? How can I help? What can I do? How can I best support you? There are a lot of very generic questions that will get you to those answers and engage that dialogue. It may feel really weird and strange at first, but I promise with a little bit of preparation, a few reminders, you'll absolutely get there. And then you'll start seeing that dynamic shift within your team. And you can apply that to other teams as well. I love this, Sarah. It's so actionable. And I can imagine the level of impact that it can have on your anyone's leadership is going to be huge. There's so much more on this topic that I'd love to get into. And I know many of our listeners do too. If they wanted to find you to continue this conversation, what's the best way for them to do so? Just reach out on LinkedIn. Sarah Warren, I believe it's Sarah Warren, SPHR. There's a few of us in the world. So feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. Shoot me a message. I am always more than happy to help. Wonderful. Thanks so much for hanging with us today, Sarah. And for those of you listening, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to get more great content like this, head over to engagerocket.co slash HR Impact, where we showcase the latest podcast 
the latest conversations we've had with top leaders like Sarah sharing their expertise with you. This all we got for today. So thank you so much for listening to the HR Impact Show. My name is CT. Take care and peace out. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.